0: Welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode we're continuing with the movies from 1990, the horror and thriller stuff, and the first episode we'll be doing tonight (laughs) is It, and I don't know where that came from, and Misery, two Stephen King double features. I don't know what the fuck that was, kids. (laughs) I'm getting loopy and tired, I guess. How how, how many Stephen King retrospectives have we done? I don't know, but, well, during (laughs) the 80s, it was a fucking phenomenon. We're kind of coming to the end here, because... So 1990 is like the the peak of like how much is being made into one in one year because he's part of Tales from the Dark Side, which we'll get to. Uh, graveyard Shift. Um, we have you know these two, and it is the turning point because it was such a phenomenon on television. And not all of the productions that you know were done in the 80s were successful. In fact, very few of them were. And so I think what they saw was well, why don't we take these huge books and instead of chopping them into little bits or whatever let's put more of the story on tv and and we can reap more you know rewards because we have two or three nights or i think the, the stand in 1994 was i think four or five episodes so that's the trend you're going to see you're going to get a couple more like you're going to get sleepwalkers and uh um, and stuff like that but it's going to get real light yeah and uh it was split and the kids and the right and and let's because we'll probably never get to it because it's too recent but the comparison of the two it's and every single fucking time I think they falter with the second part but for different reasons um, but the first parts I think are completely fine they're different obviously because the second one lavishes all that money to throwing it at the screen
1: psychological type thriller stuff if you have the more you know like with the modern technology we have with money and CG, we're gonna be able to do a little bit more with it but i still think it's just not as good
0: yeah the the original i think what helps is that it is restricted that it is contained they have to pull back i think there's almost too much cgi in the first in in the remake yeah absolutely and then, then not all of it works really well either is the problem um
1: I think what I do like about the newer one, I will say, uh, the newer part one, uh, is that uh, a lot of the creatures are more of an internal manifestation of whatever the child's trauma is. And I think that's really cool to play it like that, but again,
0: there's something more creepy to me. Like if we look at uh, uh, Bill Haskin, was that a thing? Bill Sarsgaard? The, the, the big kid. No, oh, oh okay, I think we're talking about the guy who plays The It. The it. Oh, no, no, Bill Sarsgaard, no. they're uh, talking about the character's
1: name. Anyway, um, the big kid, it, it was about his, his dead father. And it's something that's just more chilling. Uh, his father just standing on water talking to him, holding balloons. It's so much more creepy than a decapitated man walking down a road. Books or something at the library. I don't yeah, know, it was a little. It carried
0: Easter eggs. I don't know what the hell that was about. It looked cool, but uh, it's just not creepy. I think the children' performances are fine in the first one, but what I think I think the the remake does I think is beef up their friendship. I truly believe that they're all friends by the end of that movie. I had a little trouble with the first one. Yeah, I'd agree with that too. But um, have you read the original script or the? Uh, script written by kerry
1: fukunaga no um, i have not you, okay find it if you can it is like it is exceptional as an adaptation um and i'm shocked that they decided to go with the, the version
0: that they did huh so i mean isn't who directed it isn't that kerry fukunaga no he was supposed to write and direct and then since they didn't like his script he dropped out oh okay okay um yeah, because I know the original was directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, and Tommy Wallace was notorious for coming off of two big flops, sequels to classic horror films, and I'm I'm glad they gave him another shot. But he had come off of Halloween three and Fright Night two, and you know he goes to TV with this, and I was you know I'm sure a lot of people were like on pins and needles, like is this gonna work? And I think he—I think this is probably his best work. I know some people now say Halloween three is the absolute greatest Halloween of all time. You're you're fucking crazy, people. <laughs> it's good. It's not great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like for for me, I think um, I, I initially was hesitant to go back to watch the the TV uh, the TV it version uh, because I thought for sure I was going to hate it, but I actually really liked it. Yeah, I was well, surprised at how fun it was. Yeah, it's uh a lot of it comes down to Tim Curry. I think yes. that I think his performance is Much better than Bill Sarsgaard, who's just, it's fucking strange. It's a very weird choice with what his voice does and instinct, whatever. And I don't think he's any more menacing because he wiggles all funny and they use all sorts of trickery, which we're going to see in that movie we'll discuss on the next episode, Jacob's Ladder. I think everything kind of starts there with that weird camera speed up, you know, spasm moving. Um, I, I just think there's something very controlled and subdued about Tim Curry's performance that's more unnerving. I wouldn't say subdued, dude because he goes he goes for it, man.
1: <laughs> Especially in part two, um, but that's not to say that, I don't disagree with that. I think they were really banking on Bill Skarsgård's creepy eyes uh, to sort of mesmerize you or to, to leave it be creepy. But he just doesn't his his voice and his actions don't fit his look. Yeah, he has like a very Victorian era clown, but is acting like a modern day clown. There's just something that's off about it that again. The original written script has him as being just like a psychopath, basically. As like he's he's in a clown suit because he thinks that's how he can lure kids. He doesn't
0: like understand how to be a clown. Like that was kind of the difference of it. Yeah, what I think is funny is, go ahead. Well, also what the original uh, TV movie had
1: was that it was more about how um, the clown Pennywise. Uh, sort of like controls people and that's something that they kind of allude to in um, the newer one but it's it's
0: not really made clear exactly what's happening yeah i just um i think where the both won't fall apart like i said is the second one and i don't understand the acting choices in the adult section of the 1990 version These are, first off, they cast almost exclusively comedians. Almost all of them are comedic actors, and it's like they're trying to prove something by going so insanely over the top, terrible tone-wise. What the fuck? (laughs) I mean, I do have to say, though, the one time that it works out in its favor is when the decapitated head of that one guy is inside the fridge and basically just ripping everybody. Like, that part is hilarious. Yeah, and, and then the spider creature at the end. I mean, they had no money, and it was television, so I yeah. mean, they did what they could, but it doesn't, it doesn't come off at all. Yeah, it, it's just, like they just knock it over and start kicking it, and then that's and that's it. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> it's like I think. Magic. I, yeah, like, I think like, that they uh, they start pounding it with rocks and they just rip out its uh, heart or whatever. And I was like, that's how this ends. I was so bummed because the first one is pretty slick and I like how they do their battle. Um,
1: yeah, it, 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 leaves a lot more to the imagination, obviously, like, in using the, the, of uh, silver, the silver earring, I think it was. Yeah. Um, to blow apart a piece of its head and, yeah, there's just, it leaves a lot more to the imagination than the first part than the second part. Um, and speaking of which, I don't remember in the new one, even though I saw it in the theater. I saw it most recently. I don't remember how that movie ends.
0: I don't either. Exactly. I remember and that's the why it doesn't work. <laughs> I remember the I always remember the kids part, but I don't remember the adult part. But I've only I, seen it once. I've seen I've seen the, the first part with the kids a couple times. And here's my problem. I think of the remake, the adult section is better than the TV version, but they fuck up with this insane, ridiculous idea that they needed to bring the kids back. Their story is over. You do not have to bring these kids back and then CGI their fucking faces to make them look like they're three years younger. And so it looks it's so obvious and terrible and pointless. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, like a quarter of the movie is flashbacks for no reason. Yeah, their story is done. You move on, and I just it's, it's, what were they thinking? Like, wow, Stranger Things is red hot right now, and, and everybody loved yeah. those kids from the first movie. You gotta bring them back. Um, they all hit puberty. You yeah, can't do like, it with most of them. Wow, fuck the it. R, this yeah. This is the R-rated version of Stranger Things. This is the cool one. It's like, this is terrible. Yeah, I, if I, I you didn't
1: even remember until you told
0: me. I yeah, if so you take terrible. all of that out, Part Two works so much better
1: you know what actually is really funny is that i'm convinced that they spent so much money on the casting that they didn't have they lost a lot of money for extras because if you notice if you watch the second part of the new one the new one when they get into town there's nobody in it there's no one at the hotel there's no one on the street when they're walking around there's no one in that restaurant it is
0: fucking empty and I think it's because the you know when you're hiring James McAvoy, he's just coming out of the, finishing the X-Men movies, like he's probably expensive right now. Yeah, I think the first one was like thirty million dollars, and they spent like seventy on part two. And I think a lot of it, like you said, the cast, and I think a lot of it is a stupid special effects that were completely unnecessary I mean, and they, they're not convincing. It's like the stupid mustache thing in the Justice League movie. <laughs> no, I can tell there's oh, there's CGI over that lip. <laughs> That's a fake yeah. lip. Yeah, I think like they they really wanted to increase
1: the amount of like like every and the first one has their own moment with Pennywise and for the most part it's very quick it's more just kind of like set dressing for the end and that's where they spend a lot of the money and it works for that movie Um, but like they spend so much time and so much money in these big
0: elaborate scenes with uh, with the adults that by the time you get to the end like it, it it's just forgettable we spent so much time with the scares yeah that and it's just exhausting each other yeah not every movie needs to be three goddamn hours <laughs> why do they feel it's necessary? Yeah. <laughs> um so I think our second film, Misery, is and I hadn't seen it in forever, is fucking jaw dropping amazing. I know now why as an adult, I understand why it got all the acclaim, all the awards, and why it was such a big box office hit. And it's so small; it's very constrictive. It's it's just it's, it could be a stage play for fuck's sake. And I think it is now um, basically just what five people in the whole cast. That's that's about it. And most of it's just focused on those two. Yeah,
1: and ninety percent of it is one location.
0: Yeah, and and I think while. Um, Oh god, I can't remember her name. She plays Annie. Fuck, misery. Uh, okay, now I have to cheat and look. Why am I? Cannot remember this. This is embarrassing. Clear born to Laura, it's something. No, no, that's the sequel. Uh, Kathy Bates. Good lord, I'm embarrassed. Jesus, man. I know. I'm sorry. My brain's old. It's rotting vegetable. Oh, Kathy Bates world. is the one who got all the attention because her performance is well. First off, she's basically out of nowhere. No one had ever seen her before this. I think she was a stage actress. And she gives this huge fucking explosive performance. But I'm actually really impressed by James Kahn and his very controlled, quiet performance and his desperation. There's a scene where, where, where he's all alone and he's going through the house. And you know he's sweating to death and he's in a hurry or whatever. And then he hears her. Pulling into the driveway, whatever, in his panic and rush back to the bedroom to look like he was never out in the first place is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen on film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, doing a lot
1: with a little is, and also it just has this really good um, sort of hook to it of um, you know, being trapped in with someone who is
0: both your uh, your savior and your tormentor. Yeah, and having to walk that line of like trying not to panic. Insane and being very selective with your words, you know, not to upset her. And it's just uh, the irony, the fucking hypocritical irony of the fact that she cannot stand cuss words. And she says cock a which I think is fucking hilarious. But she is a murderer. She has killed babies. (laughs) And she's still like, don't say those words. Oh, my God. I actually got confused for a little bit. I forgot that about his manuscript that he had in his leather binder. And I thought that she was reading the book that she had just got from the store. And that's where she saw Misery had died. And I was like, well, if Misery's dead there, what's in the book in the pamphlet? And then I realized what was happening when she told him to burn it. Mm -hmm.
1: Why did she get the the other copy? Was she just trying to get him to sign it or something? I kind of
0: forgot that plot. I think... I think that one had just come out and hit the shelves, and the one and it, and it must have been one of those books that was so popular, he's doing like one every six months or, or, or something like that, and then he was just finishing the final one, and of course it takes time, it has to go off to an editor, they have to go over it and then send it back to the writer or whatever and then you know finalize, and then it goes into print, and, and then you're promoting it, and then shipping it out and stuff like that, so I, I, I'm guessing it was just going to take a lot of time. This movie, especially now, is something that I think a lot more people can sort of connect to. Um, Not that people didn't connect to it at the time, but I think on a more personal level,
1: I think the more people are getting involved with uh, art, uh, especially online, where you can get kind of that feedback, where if you do have people who really do like your work, you do have that feeling of like, oh, fuck, I I gotta gotta do something. This is no longer about me anymore, and uh, having all of this pressure. Um, to do something and just wanting to be done with it, just wanting to be like okay, I'm
0: done. And, yeah. Uh, being able to walk away from it and like on a on a minor level, I've had that. I, like uh, made some uh, like Beat Saber maps. I don't know if you're familiar with Beat Saber. No, I don't have no idea what that is. Well, it's a it's a VR game where you can like make your own maps. Uh um That you just like hit boxes to music or whatever. It's a very simple, fun game. But I've like made several of them, uh-huh. and I like really like doing it and I've been getting like more and more getting um, you know, like positive feedback on them but then I'm just getting to the point of like oh, well, now I don't enjoy it anymore now I want to be done yeah and now it's work I get that sometimes with the podcast when I'm overwhelmed and I find like oh this is work now uh oh yeah 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 um and uh also, I think what changes things is now we have these constant – well, first off, social media connects people that you never would have connected to just 15 years ago. But also the 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 obsession with like uh, comic bo- – uh, pop culture conventions where now it's all about the celebrities instead of the actual stuff they're creating. You get to go there. You get to pay a premium. You get to meet the person. There's this fan obsession relation. It's like – especially if your career isn't going that well you need those conventions this is your paycheck you've got to constantly hear the same fucking stories over and over and you know you want to walk away but you're desperate for that money and I kind of like see that kind of thing too oh you can see that in Brent Spiner man Oh, have you seen him? That's what we had with Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell was clearly up there, like "fuck this shit." Let's do. He didn't even answer any questions. He didn't talk to anybody really out on the, on the stage. He decided to have an impromptu uh, interview, video, uh, um, like contest game thingy. I don't know what the hell it was, but I left because it was boring. Yeah, that's unfortunate, too, because I saw Bruce Campbell at Comic-Con, and I saw him doing a, a live podcast, and at the time, this was years ago, probably more than a decade now, that he was sort of, like, playing up the fact that he's, like, the asshole celebrity who you shouldn't get, like, a, uh, an autograph from, where, like, he was clearly putting on a Mac, and yeah. like
1: now, it's pretty much just that now. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I also want to bring up the fact that I love the adorable couple, <laughs> their <a> married couple, <laughs> the sheriff and his deputy, uh, played by Richard Farnsworth and Francis Sternhagen, and his performance. Now, he's an actor not a lot of people know because he was mostly a stuntman for decades. And then he did this small movie in 1982 called The Grey Fox, which he got a lot of acclaim for, but he only did a few movies. He did one for David Lynch called The Straight Story, like the only normal movie that David Lynch has ever made. <laughs> But I really enjoy his calm, kind of southern cowboy, you know, at the end of his time. And the way that he's kind of working. Like, it's like an interview, but also investigative kind of interview that he's having with Annie. And I I think it's a lot of fun. Sadly, spoilers, (laughs) he does not end well for him. Mm -hmm. And I think also this is a great movie because it...
1: So many movies have tried to copy its style and don't really understand why it works or, like, how to adapt it to something different. Like, there's so many movies now where uh, a celebrity is being, you know, hounded by fans or is being held captive
0: by fans. What was that John Travolta movie? (laughs) Oh, The Fanatic. I haven't seen it, but I know what you're talking about. Holy crap, that's a bad movie. But uh, they basically don't understand, like, why, well, like, how important it is to set the scene. Yeah. Um, well, and also there is, and I think Misery is the first time anybody ever brought it up, is there is an ownership by the fans. You know, it, it's that it's very common now. It's like once something is created, it's out of the studio's hands, out of the creator's hands or whatever, now it's out to the people and, and whether or not they'll take ownership over it. The only problem is then they never allow any flexibility and that's why every time there's a major change in something, people get fucking furious. That's why comic books never advance. It's really rare. And like, oh, every time you change, like, oh, like with the Star Wars movies or the MCU, if you go in any direction that they don't already comfortable with, they get fucking furious. And that that kind of shows her behavior, Annie, over Misery, the, over the character Misery. She feels like she owns that character. Yeah.
1: And I think it's also an interesting conversation uh, it obviously it is an interesting conversation that we are having nowadays about like toxic fandoms and things like that. But also just uh, like I have a friend who created I don't wanna to give too many details about it, but he created something that is now in the public is now public work that people can look at and read. And um, he has a, a lot of uh, People who have read it and are talking to him about about it, and he's getting frustrated because it's like, man, people don't get it. People don't understand or
0: are interpreting this in such a weird way that I don't get it. Yeah. And so we had this you a know, conversation about like, well, you know, it's out there now. It's not really worth talking about anymore. They know that's theirs. Yeah. Well, we remember we talked about for they live, and it's. Um, <laughs> Where all of a sudden, for some reason, the hard right-wingers decided about 10 years ago, it was about the Jews. And they're taking yeah. over and controlling. And John Carver's like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's not what I wrote. He did, yeah, that, got, that went
1: too far. And then it was like, okay, now I have to
0: intercede. Yeah, and they're like, what would you know about it? he's like, I wrote that. directed the movie, you <laughs> stupid assholes. <laughs> the... um. I think the one thing, though, in this movie that I remember more than anything else, and it made me fucking pull back and, and almost, like, screech is when she snaps his goddamn foot. You see the first oh, one yeah. just go, flunk! That's, yeah, that scene has been played so many
1: times in so many places, um, and it's still terrifying. Like, yeah. the, the lead-up and build-up to that is so
0: raw and creepy, and it it's terrifying. No matter how many times I've seen on it? How many times I've heard that crack? It still gets me when I watch it. Yeah, when he's begging him, Annie, whatever you're thinking of doing, please don't do it. You know, just. This is like yeah, him going through like every tool in his belt to try to stop this, and you, knowing he can't. Yeah, and I like the fact that at the end, and this is a curse in a lot of horror movies, is oh, we gotta keep this going in case it's successful. You know, not something doesn't really die. What they're dealing with though, and I don't, I think it was kind of new, is you know, a post-traumatic stress disorder you know, with his insane experience that he's he cannot shake it. I have no idea how long it's been between the two events, maybe a year, but no matter what it is, you no know, how far how far away he gets from her and she's stone cold dead. He cannot shake her. Yeah, I think I think just absolutely masterwork and from a gra- a guy who's not known for doing scary stuff, Rob Reiner I mean, he had done *Stand by Me*, which Stephen King was extremely like. Oh, this is how you fucking do it, you know. And that's why he signed a long-term deal with Castle Rock, and they did a bunch of his movies. And I really think *Misery* is the perfect just balance of fear and just great character work.
1: I think most people who have seen a plethora of
0: Stephen King's work would probably say this is his finest. Yeah, and what I like. What I like, and, and this would change a few years later, is when you have um, like a one-set kind of movie. I always feel like the director ha- they all have to do all these camera angles and all this crazy stuff in order to keep you entertained, fast cuts and whatever, and, and const- the camera constantly moving. And it, when he does move the camera, it's very slow and very deliberate of what he's trying to focus on. Yeah, it tries to keep you locked in on uh, like the, the vision of James Conk. Yeah. Right? Like, it's always going to be that level. So you're always with him uh, throughout. Yeah, I think it's an absolute, absolutely amazing film. Definitely top five, Stephen King's. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right, anything else you want to say before we go? Uh, no, this was uh, this one was good. I, I enjoyed going back and watching it again. Uh, I watched it a couple of years ago and had a ball and had a, a ball this time too. All right, that is it, everybody. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and all your podcast hosts. Just hit Rewind, and that's it. Have a good night. Good night, folks.